Welcome to the 927's pre-UTA podcast. This podcast is presented in three parts. First, we cover announcements and the general schedule. Next, we hear directly from our wing commander. And finally, we finish with a guest speaker highlighting one of Reserve Command's mission-focused areas of readiness, resilience, or reform. This month, we'll focus on resilience as we get to meet our new Director of Psychological Health, Ms. Therese Brooks. We'll also focus on resilience as we talk with Major Jenna Lee Geyser from our medical squadron about vaccinations and medical readiness. But first, some announcements. The Step 2 program and Deserving Airman Award have due dates before our next UTA, so if you're interested in applying for either of those programs, check your email or the share drive or get with your CSS to make sure that you're, you know what those deadlines are to get those things in before the next UTA. Speaking of before our next UTA, our ABUs will sunset on 31 March, meaning that we'll have to wear OCPs starting 1 April, so this is our last chance this month uh, to wear our ABUs. So make sure that your OCPs are ready and get with your folks if you need any uniform help. In case you're visiting or you haven't been around the base in a little while, we are in HPCon Bravo, but masks are still required at all times unless you're alone inside with the door closed or outside you're alone or with members of your immediate family that dwell with you. FSS and education and training will be closed 26 and 27 February for ATSO training, but they will be open 25 and 28 February. Reminder that retired independent ID cards that expire on or after 1 January are valid through 30 June 2021. Airman's Attic is reopening for E1s to E6s and families Tuesday and Friday from 10 a.m. to 1400. Check out their Facebook page for more information. You can find them at Airman's Attic McDill AFB. Friday is Tiki Nights at the Base Beach and Seascapes Tiki Hut from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Food trucks are there from 4 to 7. Come enjoy open air seating and the beachy environment. Hangar 6 uh, Grill is inside the McDill Lanes. It's open from 11 to 1730 from Wednesday through Sunday. They have wings, pizza, hot dogs, burgers, nachos, salads, and more. Call ahead and takeout is available also at 813-840-1516. The Integrated Resilience Office offers lots of Zoom training that are available to folks and they're open to all. Topics include mindfulness, reframing your thinking, interpersonal problem solving. These classes require no pre-registration and you can find more information on a PSA that's in your email or on the SharePoint drive. Now onto our schedule. It's gonna be a little long because it's four days instead of two. So just bear with me. These are just the big moments so that if you're interested in any of these topics, you can check out the schedule on the SharePoint drive to find out more. Starting with Thursday, 0730 is newcomers. At 10 o'clock is the UTM unit training manager meeting. Friday at 0900 is WIT training. Saturday at 0800 is Seabirney training. At 10 o'clock is the key spouse meeting. And at 1730 is Catholic mass in the chapel. On Sunday at 715 is the Protestant service in building six. At 0800 is Seabirney training. And also at 0800 is the wing commander's call on CVR teams. You can dial in or you can log Log in with your CVR account. 0900 is CDC and PME testing, and also at 0900 is FM contingency training. 0930 is CSS in-house training. At noon is the top three meeting. At 1230 is the rising six meeting. At 1300 is more CDC and PME testing, and also at 1300 is the quarterly supply safety training. That's all for our announcements and schedule. Now let's talk to our wing commander, Colonel Doug Stauffer. 
Hello, everybody. How are you guys today? Welcome to the February UTA. Thank you so much for making time for us. We have a busy UTA coming up. It's a super UTA, four days of all of our smiling faces all together. Let's start with some good news, sir. I know that we recently had some Colonel Select. The list just came out this week. So can you share with us some good news? Uh, yes. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bob Baylor, our JAG at the in the WSA, he was selected for Colonel. So uh, that is great news. Congratulations to Bob. Woo woo. We also have three people who have been in our wing uh, within the last year that have moved on to other jobs who were selected, which I'll just mention. Lieutenant Colonel Craig Lauderdale from the 63rd was selected. He's now up at Africa in Georgia. Lieutenant Colonel Ginger Ormond, who is in our maintenance group and is now up at Westover, she was selected. And then uh, Meredith Seeley, who, of course, was in our wing as a TR, is now in SOCOM as a TR and still within our wing as a civilian, uh, was selected on her military side. So congratulations to those as well. That's amazing. Let's talk about the UTA that's coming up. First is vaccines. Everyone's interested in it, but I think you're going to be surprised about which ones are happening this UTA. A couple of brief things. Number one, uh, the base is now at HPCon Bravo. So that is a lowering of the HPCon level because there is less of a community spread. On that note, the mask wear policy has, has gotten a little bit more stringent. Really, if you're in offices and you don't have floor to ceiling walls and a closed door, you have to have your mask on throughout the entire time that you're in there. Which might be why we sound a little bit different this time. Because we are wearing masks. Yes, even though we're six feet apart. doesn't matter if you are 10 feet apart, but if you're in the same shared office space without, uh, you know, the door and the walls and all that, you have to have a mask on. There are some other restrictions, outdoor shared spaces uh, that that require masks on. However, if you are running by yourself along Bayshore or around the track, uh, you are not required to wear your mask at that point in time. So look at that. So that's some new guidance that has come out. Really, it's just wearing masks more to ensure that we can keep our force healthy is the way the memo reads. Vaccines. So we were hoping uh, really to start some COVID vaccines in the February UTA. At this point, as of this recording, which is a week prior to the UTA, we it looks like that will not happen. We're not going to be able to get those dosage uh, doses. Uh, however, we have over 300 people in the wing who are still short on flu vaccine, have not gotten a flu vaccine. So that is going to be our priority. Those lists are out at commanders. There's going to be parties that go out from our med group, for lack of a better term, uh, of shock parties, and uh, and they're going to give you all those flu vaccines. If you have a certificate from your you know civilian provider or you went to one of the pharmacies or whatever and you got the flu vaccine, please bring that with you and get that to the UHM or directly to the AMDS, and they can add that into the database. And that's your ticket out of the party. Yes, a, a <laughs> ticket. And this is a party you would want to miss if you could. Uh, but we all need it. Our IMR numbers, of course, look bad. And really, I'm not holding any of us terribly accountable for that because we didn't have the vaccine in time to give it. Uh, for the, the January UTA. We didn't have it in massive numbers to give by the January UTA. And then we didn't have a UTA early in February. So now we're sitting here at the end of February and our numbers are low. That's something we got to get done. On the same note, from an admin perspective, we're fixing our IMR. Um, annual tour uh, needs to get done and we have we have to project that now in ARCnet. Can you talk a little bit more about that and why we're doing that? Yes. So uh, you will hear this from either your commanders or supervisors over the UTA. AFRIC and 4th Air Force are becoming more detailed in the way money is managed, the way the money is given out to wings. And this is a good thing. AFRIC in the past has given money back at the end of the year because we the processes we had in place to manage them uh, were not adequately doing that job. So there's a lot of attention being placed there. One of the things that has come out of that is that uh, Fourth Air Force has required every one of us, everyone that has annual tour, all TRs and arts, to have that annual tour projected uh, in some fashion 
very quickly uh, and, you know, like yesterday kind of thing. So we have elected, since we already have a tool that can do that, and that's ArcNet, we as a wing have elected to use ArcNet. So either you or if you don't have ArcNet access, a supervisor needs to put in your bids and it's as close a guess as you can make it. I realize you can't say right now, maybe the specific day that you're going to come in September, but you at least need to project, hey, I'm planning to work two days in September, let's say. So you're going to put them in your most likely cases. And then as it gets closer, you can fine tune it and actually request those days, sum all of that data, and then it's to determine how much annual tour money we're using each month and or each quarter really is what we need to get to. Okay. Some of that admin stuff out of the way. What is the bulk of what's going to be happening during this four-day UTA? Obviously, there's going to be some ATSO training going on. There is not a wing-wide exercise, but individual units are doing a lot of things to get after your, your METs. And if you don't know that term, it's the mission essential tasks that we have to grade. Each unit commander has to grade their unit on on a monthly basis that we need to be able to improve the grading scale of that METs and, and get better at whatever they are. So this is going to be the opportunity to do that. The, the flyers, they'll be, you know, dressing in their chemical ensembles that they fly in and practicing that. The maintainers will be doing, um, you know, maintenance work in chem gear, uh, wing staff, MSG, those we're going to be, you know, a lot of that is office duties. We'll be doing office duties in the chem gear. And there's some training classes and there's uh, there's schedules produced for each uh, section. So many of you uh, will be participating in that over this UTA. And we also have a commander's call happening on Sunday. Right. So we haven't done a commander's call in well over a year. And uh, we are not going to be meeting in a uh, in the auditorium either and putting a big group together. Even though we're HP Con Bravo and we could get away with probably some more people meeting, we made this decision well over a month ago when we were still in Charlie and decided to do it a virtual commander's call. So we have 550 logins. Uh, it'll be hosted over CVR. So that's not everyone in the wing. So what I'm asking is that your commanders, there could be some that have specific things like physicals and other things that need to get done and you won't be a part of the commander's call, but the vast majority of the wing should be free from eight to nine on Sunday morning. Dial into that CVR. There's an option to log on with a CVR account. There's an option to dial in with a phone. So if you're dialed in with the phone, put it on speaker and let a couple people sitting around you with masks on, of course. Could also dial in with your CVR account. You can put it up on a projector in the, you know, break room or whatever you have or in your, you know, small auditoriums or, or staff meeting rooms and put it up that way where you could get four, five, six, you know, all sitting around there to listen to the same thing. My hope is, as I've said in every commander's call in the past, I want this to be good information for you. We're not going to harass you with mandatory training or other things where we're going through death by a PowerPoint. You're going to see people. Uh, you're going to listen to them talk about their specific areas of expertise. Uh, you're going to meet our new director of psychological health, which is great. She is finally on staff after we've had a break for a while. You're going to hear more updates about the COVID vaccine. <clears throat> the list goes on and on of what we're going to talk about. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to submit questions as well. They may not all get answered in real time, but we will work on getting those answers back out to you. Oh, and uh, award winners, I forgot to say. So our annual award winners. We will be presenting them over uh, the CVR line as well. Might be a little biased, but I do think there's a lot of great information being passed and totally worth everyone's time to figure out that CVR login or have a, like the boss at a mini watch party with your masks on, make it fun. And then one last thing before the UTA is up, step promotions are going to be due the next time that we meet. Right. So, um, 
yeah, we're not meeting in March. There's no scheduled March UTA. And uh, the April UTA is the actual second weekend in, in April because the first weekend is Easter. I think that's the first, and we're meeting the next weekend after that. And that is when the step two promotion packages will be due. You should all already know this, but just a another uh, reminder to be working on them to get them in by April. Okay, and then another thing that's happening before our next UTA is our uniform. This was what we'll close on. So the April 1st is when it's mandatory to be wearing the OCP uniform. And uh, that's either the, the two-piece uh Aircrew uniform. If you are a flyer, AE, and boom operator, pilot, those those people, uh, or they can still wear the the flight suit. That is still legal. But uh, as far as the remainder of us that would normally wear ABUs for work, it is required to be OCPs after April first. We realize that all the patches, as far as like wing packages or squadron patches, uh, though they're, they're not all even approved yet uh, by the historical agency that does that. So I realize you might be walking around with uh, you know less patches on your arm, but nonetheless, you'll be wearing the uniform. We put over a $300,000 order in right at the end of December, and all of that stuff is in. So if you're missing something, now's the time to stop by the BX uh, and go to the military clothing store, pick up those things. All right. So I think that is everything that we talked about before we got on the mic here. Is there anything else that I forgot to ask or that you would like to add about the February ETA before folks come in? Nope. I have nothing else. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you all. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you on the commander's call. And uh, once again, I'd be remiss if I didn't end by saying thank you very much for everything that you do. This this past year, 2020, has obviously been challenging on many different fronts, and yet you are still coming, putting the uniform on on the weekend, leaving your family, leaving your civilian job, uh, particularly this super UTA when you're missing actual weekday work at your civilian employment, and you're coming here to serve your country, and you're a volunteer. Uh, there's a handful of you that may have some palace chase commitment or something, but the vast majority of this wing are all volunteers, and you're doing this because you want to serve your country. And from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for that and looking forward to seeing y'all. Thank you, sir. And for the resilience portion of today's podcast, we're talking to Miss Therese Brooks. She's the new director of psychological health for the 927th. Hello, Therese. Hello. Hello, everyone. Yay. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us. And I'm so excited that you're here in Tampa. I'm excited to be here. Is this your first j- job in Florida? Are you from Florida area? Oh, well, I'm not from Florida. I'm actually from New Orleans. Um, go Saints. This is not um, my first job in Florida either. I am actually a military spouse. So my previous job was in at Herbert Field. I actually worked for the Airmen and Family Readiness Center. I was um, their personal and work life specialist. My job and my focus was on the family and resiliency of the military member. Um, it was on the active duty side. So I will say this is my first time on a reserve side and I'm extremely excited. Oh, that's wonderful. And so So you'll get to experience the joys of drill weekends and the fun and craziness that comes along with being a part of that TR type function. Exactly. And I am most excited about my first UTA. (laughs) (laughs) I am learning acronyms, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see the people. I'm excited to hear their stories. Um, I'm excited for that connection. Fantastic. All right. So you've already started telling us a little bit about yourself, but I want to give you this chance to kind of tell us about yourself professionally, personally. What are the things that you bring to the fight here at the 927th as the Director of Psychological Health. Okay. So first I bring my passion. I am a military spouse, 19 years, right? So I have done everything from, I was a key spouse for the MSG. It's a funny story how I became the key spouse. I was the, my first 
job with the military, however, was be a director for the domestic violence and child abuse shelter. And that was, in all honesty, it was the only 24-hour shelter on a military installation. And that's when we were in Kadena. That sounds like a really From tough there, job. I just kind generally. Of so I, I can't, like, hats off to you and, and everyone that works with folks and families that are in crisis that way. I can't even imagine how tough it is. We had been talking earlier, and you were also part of, um, you worked with Marines or supported Marines previously? Yes. So I previously supported um, the Marine Forces, so Mar Ferez. I was their community relations officer. So so kind of the same thing I do here. I was responsible for taking care of the family, um, the dependents and the Marines themselves. It was the reserve component. However, it was a little bit different because it was at headquarters. So everyone was activated there. So I had access to everyone all the time. Here, it's it's, it's not the same thing, but I'm still so excited to meet all almost 1,000 of you all. That's a great lead in into who do you see and what kind of work does the doctor psychological health do? So I see anyone from um, the reservists and the dependents themselves. So that can be anyone from a child to a spouse or anyone that has any sort of connection to that reserve member. Okay, so now we know who can who can who can come see you. Um, what kind of things do you do? What kind of services does the director of psychological health provide? I provide a couple of services. Um, first, I provide prevention services, and that can be anywhere from doing classes. Right now, of course, because of COVID those classes will be online or going out in the units and teaching a class. I like to do interactive classes, however. I'm not the type of girl who wants to be on a stage with a slideshow. I want you to get out and actually learn by doing. Also, I do crisis intervention. So if there's anything that's going on where you need me immediately, I am accessible to you. My telephone number is 828-0016. That number rings directly to my cell phone. So you can get me 24 hours a day if a crisis is going on. In addition to that, I do short-term therapy. So that is if you're dealing with any type of stressors in your life or any type of anxiety and you just need someone to talk to on a consistent basis, you can stop by my office. If you're not available to come by the office and you need to Skype or Zoom or do whatever um, virtually, we can set that up as well. In addition to that, I do resources and referrals. So sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe you want another resource and I'm responsible for gathering that information and getting that resource to you. And we were talking earlier and you mentioned helping people when they feel like they're stuck. Like, you know, sometimes we just get into this movement where we problems seem bigger than we can imagine. We don't really know how to move forward and you just kind of feel this paralyzed or like nothing I'm doing is changing it and you just feel really stuck. And you experienced or you talked about this passion of like walking people through that. Can you kind of talk me through if, if I'm an airman and I'm in that place where I'm like, I feel kind of stuck. Like, can you talk about what you do there. Sure, sure. So the beauty of my job is I get to walk through you, walk with you through the fire. So if you feel that you're at a place where you tried doing a, a thousand things and it's not working for you, come to my office, call me up. Let's have a chat of other means that may be able to work out a little bit better for you. 
I won't say I have all of the solutions, but I will say that I will stick with you and stick by you until we find something that works for you. And I'm humble enough to say that if I'm not the person because I just don't know about that situation enough, I'm going to find a resource for you. And me finding a resource doesn't mean giving you a telephone number and say, go call this person. It's me actually walking through the fire with you until you find something that works. If I give something to you, a resource resource to you and it doesn't work. That's okay. Don't hesitate. Come back to me. We're going to find a resource until we find something that works for you. I love that. Okay. So today was just an introduction. I know we could talk for hours because we literally have talked for hours before this interview. Um, She's great to talk to. I can personally attest to her energy, her um, awesomeness. I think that we're all going to meet her during the commander's call for a brief second. And I know that once you get established, I'm interested to hear about these classes and the kinds of things that you're going to come up with. I just, I can feel it that you're going to do great things for our unit. And so we're really excited. But until then, between now and the next time that we talk, if someone would like to come visit you and see you in your office, where can they find you? So I'm in the little small building, building 27, directly behind the post office and the subway. The street is Florida Keys. Okay. And for me, I know that um, when I get to the fire station, I've passed it. So it's right before you hit the fire station, really easy to find. And and it's just you. So there's no, no need to be concerned about who will see you, who will know that you're coming. Um, It's very private and can be very um, discreet. Yes, 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 it can. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. This has been amazing. And really, the time that I got to talk to you before we even got on mic was amazing. And I'm so excited that you're here with our unit. I know it's a blessing to have you. Thank you so much for having me. For the readiness portion of today's podcast, we've got Major Jenilee Geyser from the AMDS squadron here to help us um, talk about the COVID vaccine because she's our COVID sort of czar for the vaccine program here at the 927. Thank you very much, Major Geyser, for coming. Thanks for having me. Okay, so before we even get started, I want people to kind of understand, we always want to know like, who's this person and and what does she know or what can she tell me? And I'll tell you from personal experience and and listening to Major Geyser and watching her as she deployed, she's very well informed on the COVID vaccine as she deployed to COVID hotspot of New York while it was at its peak and dealt with some of the toughest things that anybody in our nation had to deal with. In addition to that, she's also a healthcare provider on the outside when she's not a reservist with us. And then while she is with us, she's a doctor, a flight doc and does flight medicine. So very knowledgeable person, both in healthcare generally and then in COVID specifically. So thank you very much for picking up the torch to take us through this vaccine journey as we go along in this uh, pandemic and uh, really appreciate all the time that you're going to give us today. But before we get to the COVID vaccine, um, let's talk regular flu vaccine. Um, this, this year, I think, I mean, during this UTA, I think we're going to make a big push. Can you talk about that? Sure. We as a wing are behind in terms of our flu vaccine for where we should be right now. A lot of it's not the fault of the member itself, just because we haven't had the vaccine until last drill in in January. This February drill, we're going to be making a major push to get flu out there and 100% vaccinated. If you have gotten the flu vaccine outside, send us your records showing that you did get it so we can record it. If you haven't, you're going to get it this drill if you're here. So make, make every effort to get that flu vaccine this and we you may have heard it earlier in the podcast we talked to the boss that characterized it as you guys going out on a on a party like parties going out to inv- to vaccinate people and your ticket out of that party <laughs> is your the paperwork that says that you've already had the vaccine so that you don't have to be a part of that party again 
Okay, now let's get to COVID. First, let's start because I think there's a lot of confusion out there. Is the getting the COVID vaccine mandatory for reservists? Okay, so at this time, the COVID vaccine is not mandatory. It is highly recommended and encouraged, but it is not mandatory. Okay, so let's talk more about the vaccine itself, and then we'll get more into the reserve side. I'm excited to get going and get this vaccine information out to our wing and get all of our personnel vaccinated as fast as we can. Let's talk vaccine generally first before we talk about how we're doing it here at the 927th. Why, you know, we hear a lot about the vaccine and there's people back and forth on whether or not we should take it. Why should we be interested in in the vaccine here in the 927th? So there's many benefits to receiving the COVID vaccine. Um, first off, all all vaccines that are out there in the United States have been shown to be highly effective at preventing COVID-19 infection. So that's the number one reason why you should be happy to get this vaccine. Also, based on what we know, the experts believe if you do actually end up with a COVID-19 infection, the vaccine may help you becoming seriously ill. If the vaccine can actually prevent us from getting critically ill, that's a great incentive to get this vaccine. And the last one is if you get vaccinated yourself, you may also protect those that you love and those that are around you daily. Um, I have seen people that were perfectly healthy with no known, you know, medical conditions end up in a critical situation to where they end up in the ICU. Really important. So again, protecting ourselves, protecting our wingmen, protecting our family and the people that we interact with, really important benefits to getting this COVID vaccine. Um, Okay, so let's, let's move down into how we're doing it here. Okay, so so I'm a reservist. I want to get the vaccine. What are your recommendations? Like if my if my business offers it, like my civilian job offers it, should I wait until I get the military one or should I get it as soon as I can? First off, don't wait. Take your first available opportunity to get the vaccine. If it's offered in your civilian workplace first, great, get it there. If it's offered in the civilian population, whether through the state, county, um, local governments, get it there. A lot of us are veterans, right? Um, You can also get it at the VA. So if any of these avenues are available to you, check those out. Check them out. They're on the website. You can pull it up, see if you're eligible for any of these locations. Schedule yourself an appointment if if you're currently eligible. And if you're not, keep checking back. The reserves are, we are doing everything we can to get vaccines in arms as soon as possible. But we have some priorities in regards to who's going to be eligible to receive it first here at the reserves. Your number may be called a little later because the first people that we're doing is healthcare personnel and those first responders. Then we're going to move on to those the people that really help with our national capabilities and, and securities. We have a, a DOD schema that we're following to deliver this vaccine out to all reservists and the entire DOD, but you may be eligible to receive that vaccine first outside of the reserves. And I highly encourage you to get it as soon as possible and not wait. So you've convinced me I need the vaccine. I'm going to go get one. Should I, what order status I'm in? And um, does it matter that I'm in like a military status when I get it? Or do I just get it and show you the proof like we do for our regular flu vaccines? How does that work? Okay. So if you're going to get the COVID vaccine, or flu vaccine or any vaccine, you know, in that regard, and you're getting it outside uh, of the reserve, then get the vaccine, just provide us proof that you got it, we'll upload it into your medical record, period. 
Super easy. You just send it to our org box, the 927 AMDS org box. We'll get that uploaded. We'll track your vaccines for you. If you're getting the vaccine through the reserves, you have to be in some type of military status. And then if you do choose to get the vaccine outside the reserve, just provide proof to the 927 AMDS through our org box um, or drop off proof of vaccination, either COVID, flu, whatever vaccine that you've gotten outside um, on your own. And then we'll track that and we'll place it in your medical record. But as as I said before, highly encouraged, get it first available um, and bring us the documentation. Okay. So if I, if it's not available at my civilian employer and I'm having a hard time getting it in the community, when can I expect that the reserve might have uh, availability for the COVID vaccine for me? Supply and demand is ultimately what's driving our delivery of this COVID vaccine. We are looking at probably a, an April timeframe for delivering the vaccine to uh, the reservists here. So since we don't have a March UTA, uh, April will be our first opportunity to get the vaccine out to our reservist personnel, starting with the, our 1A population, which is our healthcare workers and our first responders. So in April, are you going to notify the folks or, or do the folks who are in that 1A category, category already know who they are? Or is that something I should check with someone about to see if I'm in that status so that I might be able to get it? So we've identified the four squadrons that are sort of uh, our 1A population. So our AMDS, our ASTS, our AE squadron, along with the security forces squadron. If you're in one of those squadrons, you're most likely going to be counted as a 1A personnel. And then we'll move from there to to 1B uh, once we have all our 1A population vaccinated that want it. While the April UTA is meant for 1As, if those of us that are not in the 1A, like I'm public affairs, I'm not in that 1A category. But if I wanted to be ready in case that vaccine is made available for me to have the opportunity to take it, is there anything I should do to be ready during the April UTA to get the vaccine if it's offered? Sure. So the only requirement for the COVID vaccine is that you have not received any other types of vaccines 14 days prior or 14 days after your vaccinations. Um, If you had a flu shot, you can get it during this drill, which perfectly postures us for delivering the COVID vaccine in April. If you're not part of that population, you're, you're maybe looking at getting a different vaccine due to travel or some other reason, just hold off on that vaccine two weeks prior to next drill in April. So the only real concern is not to get any vaccines on either side for about two weeks. Other than that, I just bring my DOD card and my smiling face. Correct. Just show up. Do we know now if we're going to use the Pfizer and Moderna? And then what's the difference in the two vaccines and why would we use one or the other? Great question. The Pfizer and the Moderna, both of them are out there. They're both approved for emergency use authorization by the FDA, which means they're not fully approved. There's been good clinical data supporting benefit of the vaccine outweighs the risk. Um, At this point, we are posturing for the Pfizer vaccine. The Pfizer is the one that everyone has probably heard there's a deep freeze required for the Pfizer. That's the the one we're planning on using. Um, And then in between doses of the Pfizer is 21 days, which perfectly marries with our April to May timeframe for drill. And then the other vaccine out there is a Moderna. Moderna is, again, the emergency use authorization by the FDA. Benefit outweighs the risk of the vaccine. And that one is a 28-day uh, interim between first and second dose. Um, that one is not the deep freeze, just a normal freezer with a, a, a thaw before use. Both of those highly recommended, and both of those have great effectiveness in, in terms of preventing COVID and uh, helping reduce the spread of COVID. And this may be a little bit too in the weeds on the topic, but if we 
do. There's been talk about mixing the vi- the vaccines. Is there a chance that we would be mixing the vaccines um, here in the reserve? As of today, there's a recommendation to not mix vaccines. So if you start with the Moderna, you are going to get your second Moderna. If you start with Pfizer, you have to end with Pfizer. For safety purposes, we are trying to stick as good as we can to the emergency youth use authorization. All right. So I've heard, I've heard all this information. I'm a reservist, um, working in the 927th. I don't get it with my military, with my civilian doctor. I'm interested in getting the, the, um, vaccine with my reserve on my reserve time. Who do I tell that I'm interested in it? And how do I make sure I get on that list so that as soon as it's available for me in that DOD schema, that I'm able to get it? Instead of the medical side of the house, AMDS, keeping a, a rolling list, easier if we put that on the squadron. So the squadron and their, their unit health monitor should be keeping a spreadsheet of those within their their own squadron of who's interested, who's not interested, period, who has got it outside the reserves. And so you can change your mind at any time from no to yes or yes to no, that there's no problem with changing your mind. But when it comes time to distributing the vaccine, we're likely going to give out uh, scheduled appointments, like a block of, let's say, five to 10 to one squadron and another 20 to a different squadron based on size and how many vaccines we have available. And so based on that, we're going to say, you know, security forces give us 10 people that want the vaccine. AMDS doesn't care which 10 show up. We care that those 1A population are ranked from their squadron. And then if they have leftover people, they're giving those back. By this time, we've already, hopefully you've already answered someone in your squadron about um, whether or not you're interested in getting the vaccine. Because We also know that it's not mandatory, but it is highly encouraged for us to get it as soon as we're able to. So, um, so you should be on that list already. If you change your mind about about the vaccine and need to update that list, make sure you get with your squadron POC, not necessarily the medical people. But if you do take it outside of reserve time, you should email it to the AMDS people, but also update your, the person inside your squadron that's doing that. Okay. I just want to say before we, before I let you go, cause I know you've taken, I know a, you're really busy like getting all the stuff together. Cause it's a lot of cats to herd. I want to make sure that we remind everybody that you ha- are here as our, as our guide. And we are very lucky to have you guiding us through this vaccine process, because not only are you a medical doctor yourself and a care healthcare provider on the outside as a reservist, you are also someone who went to New York to fight COVID and understand, um, the ins and outs of this disease very, very well and how important it is for us to get this vaccine. So really appreciate all the time that you're putting into keeping our reservists safe and getting this vaccine available to us as soon as possible and in a responsible manner. So thank you very much. Where do people go if they've got questions? So if you have specific health questions in regards to the COVID vaccine, I highly recommend that you get with your primary care physician, whether it's someone assigned on base to you or outside, but get with them in regards to specific health questions. If it's in regards to Air Force Reserves and administration questions for the COVID vaccine, then get with a 927 AMDS and we can probably answer your questions. Okay, great. And then I think we've talked about, um, and hopefully by the time you're hearing this podcast, um, there'll be some more information out on our app and we have a commander's call coming up where Major Geyser will be talking about that as well. So a couple of different ways to find this information and also ask questions. Questions. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you coming on the podcast to update everybody on this. Thanks for having me. It was great. And that's a wrap. 
If you have any questions you would like us to answer on the next podcast, email us, Facebook message us, or stop by the PA office in the headquarters building. We will ask the experts and get the answers to you right here on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening in as we do our part to keep the 927th Citizen Airmen informed so you can be always ready.